Couldn't go live, buddy. Cherry definitely. Oh. Right, right. Yeah, that's what it's like. Right. Yeah. All right, we are live. Welcome. Welcome to Watch Us Talk Live. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where you are tuning in and listening to us. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. We are here today with a very special guest, and, and I'm glad we got him. We only got him for 60 minutes, so we're not going to waste any time. I'll do a shout-out really quick to Sherry Putnam. She is our, our coordinating director. Without her coordinating all this and directing all this and getting us these guests scheduled in the way that they do with as many guests that we have uh, scheduled per month, we'd never be able to get this done. So, Sherry, thank you very much. Without you, we'd be uh, pulling our teeth. Now, I'm not going to do any shout-outs like I normally do because we have Coach Billy Carson here today. And uh, we don't have a lot of time. He's got an hour for us. He's a very busy man. He just did a his show just before us, literally got off the show and came on here. So um, I'm going to jump right into it so that we can just get going, folks. And uh, uh, Coach Carson, say hello to the people. Say, hey, how you doing? Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy that we had an opportunity to link up and put me on this show to talk about these topics. So thank you so much. Outstanding. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Listen, uh, give us a little bit of background. Normally I go I go with like a 14-question uh, intro, but I'm not going to do that with you because we only have an hour. So uh, just give us a quick background on how you um, got into all this, how you got into the whole Anunnaki and the, the whole, you know, just anything that does with the Asian aliens. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it goes all the way back to like 1977, believe it or not. Uh, um, I'm, I'm, a one, I'm getting older. <laughs> I'm giving away my age secrets here. Right, right. Back then, uh, in Miami, we lived in Miami, uh, we being my family. And uh, I used to go in my backyard and watch the airplanes go over the house. We lived close to the Opelika Airport. And literally every 15 minutes, you'd see an airplane go over, over the house. And this one summer uh, afternoon, I went out back to watch the airplanes. And this wasn't an airplane. Uh, it was a UFO. But at the time, the word UFO didn't exist in my vocabulary. I'm just a kid, uh, you know, uh, seven, eight years old. It comes across the horizon in seconds. Wow. Now, the other planes, you know, from our perspective on, on the surface of the planet, it would take close to 10 minutes to clear the horizon point from horizon to horizon. This thing went across in seconds, and I knew right away, like, wow, what was that? Then it came back across and stopped above me. Now, when I say above me, it wasn't like right above me in terms of feet, but it was um, maybe three or 400 meters up. And then it took off out the way it came in. And I was like, what did I just see? I, 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 don't, I didn't know what it was. Right. It started me on the path of research right then and there instantly. The next day, I went to school, Rainbow Park Elementary, Opelika, Florida, up to 22nd Avenue. I went right to the, right to the um, library and got down all the encyclopedias. Uh, good old Encyclopedia Britannica, and right. started digging into all the technology books looking for what I possibly could have seen. And that's literally the day that my research started, literally. Um, from there, progressed into private meetings with specific friends to talk about these types of um, things, you know, whether it be conspiracies, whether it be UFOs, mm -hmm. whether it be life on other planets. Then it progressed into into the uh, 80s where we began to trade back and forth VHS tapes, then it progressed into trading cassette tapes, 
then it's the CDs, then DVDs, then web forums. Now it's websites and social media. So right. between that and over a thousand books uh, read since then, uh, we're now here in the future, right in the current time, I should say, where it's been many, many decades of research and dedication into into trying to find out more about what it means to be a sentient being in this universe. Right. Right, yeah, and back then in the 70s, it was kind of like that for me, too, because I was a, a little kid, and my father came in and said, everybody, quick, outside, you got to see this. And we all ran out, and it was the early 70s like that, mid-70s, and we looked up, and there was this, you know, alien spaceship, so that's what got me started, too. So, uh, But back yeah. then, you couldn't say UFO, I mean, even if you knew it, because people would think you're a crackpot, you know, you're a lunatic. <laughs> you, you, yeah. you, you People laugh at you now, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it was really bad back then for us that were uh, around then when we were kids to, to see, hear that because people would literally laugh at you like you're a lunatic. So <clears throat> I get it. And then you, know, you, you said secret meetings. You had to sit down with people without everybody knowing about it to talk about it. It was kind of crazy, right? Yeah. It was a weird time for us trying to trying to get the word out. <coughs> Pardon yeah. me. <clears throat> so now people don't know they grew up with the social media like we have now, this platform. For them, they just think this is the way it's always been. They don't realize how hard it was for us back in the day to get information. We're now man. it's just here, man, you know? Yep. <clears throat> so that's all right. Sorry, I'm having a, a problem with my allergies right now. No I apologize. So, uh, so then we come forward in time, <clears throat> and now... You know, you you know, like everything there is to know about, like oh, probably everything. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, but, but I understand that that like the Anunnaki is is uh, was one of your uh, main topics, one of your main uh, things that you uh, 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 know about. So let's talk about that. Let's talk. Let's yeah, talk that, about the Anunnaki. Yeah, when I started getting to uh, research um, in the uh, mid two thousands about geological disasters. I started coming to the conclusion, because I'm an amateur astronomer, mm -hmm. I started really researching the stars and, and the constellations, and, and, um, and I started realizing that uh, precession of the equinoxes, which is the moon of the stars over the, cross, over the sky, which takes about 27,000 years, I started researching and learning it was speeding up. And I'm going, wow, why is precession speeding up? didn't make any sense to me. I'm thinking these stars are supposed to be fixed stars and based on the wobble of the Earth, that's when we get to procession, and then I'm going, there's got to be a reason for the speeding up. So I started hypothesizing about all the reasons what can cause uh, this to happen, and I came up with the conclusion that the sun is moving to orbit, orbit another spatial body because it, need, it would need breakaway speed. So I started looking for that information, and then I, boom, I had the epiphany. I came across it. Uh, in, an old, uh, in a very old documentary that was done by James Earl Jones, and uh, I forget the name of it now. It was a very, very old documentary. And it was about um, orbiting the possibility that our sun orbits another star called Nemesis. And that the ancients knew about this way, way in antiquity. And then I started researching what would be the effect of a binary solar system on, on the planets that are the inner planets of the sun. And then began to realize that when these orbits occur every so many thousands of years, they cause global warming, not only on Earth, but on other planets and moons as well, which is the real reason for global warming. Yes, humans have had an appreciable difference in the warmth of warming of the planet, but when you really look into the data, you find that every planet from Earth, Mercury, Venus, Mars, even the core of Saturn appears to be melting according to the most recent astrological data. Uh, uh, we find that global warming is solar system wide and it's because of gravitational waves 
emanating from this other spatial body, which is actually a brown dwarf star, which was recently discovered by NASA. Right. Now, back then, it wasn't official yet, but they were talking about there might be something out there four to, times, four to six times the size of Jupiter. And um, that's, that's where I was at. And I was like, man, everything that I'm researching is starting to line up with science. Right. And so I decided to build this project called Fort Terra Nova in case this would cause a geological disaster. So I built this project called Fort Terra Nova, which is actually an underground shelter. Right. I partnered with Alton McCarthy out of Radius Systems out of Texas. And uh, we were actually became the only DOD-approved uh, underground shelter developer in the United States. Wow. Uh, yeah, and we built a huge shelter. Now, at the time that I was doing the research, geology, geology research, and getting all the information together and to break ground on this shelter, uh, is when I had my first alien contact experience with gray aliens. Oh, wow. Which I finally recently came out about this in 2015. Uh, it was my first time really making it known public that this is what happened. I was literally in my house. This project was just featured on a Discovery Channel, a History Channel show, History Channel. Mm -hmm. And um, on a show called uh, Countdown to Apocalypse, oh, I several episodes yeah, yeah. with me. Okay, yeah, and yeah. this time I'm in my house watching uh, an update on sports, and when I see the whole room begin to turn to a lavender haze, I start looking around, and when I turn my head back, there's two gray aliens within inches of my face, uh, in my house, and I start try to scream. I couldn't scream. Nothing was coming out of my voice. Um, Nobody could hear me, and they didn't start talking in telepathic languages like a lot of people claim or say. But whatever they were doing was making my head shake, and the pain was excruciating. Uh, I mean, it was the most excruciating pain you could think of, and I, all I could do was just brace myself and shake. And then they stopped, and then they turned around, and they kind of dingle-dangled. You know, I don't even call it walking. I don't really know what, what you would call that kind of movement. But they kind of dangled out and left. Um, and it was the weirdest experience. And shortly after that happened, it was, by the way, this, was, this experience was one of the main catalysts to my divorce of my wife at the time. Um, it was just too horrifying for everybody to even deal with, really. Right. And yeah, it had a real emotional effect on me, a serious yeah. emotional effect. Oh, I could imagine. Yeah. I'm getting, after, I'm getting huh? goosebumps just listening to you say it over here, thinking, what would I do? Yeah. What would you do? Yeah. <laughs> just, ow, wow. It's a scary, it's a scary experience. Yeah. I'll tell you, they weren't that tall. I mean, because I was sitting down in a chair, and they were literally standing up, but they were, like, right to my face. So I'm six foot four, and right. I'm sitting down in a chair that's, you know, I don't know, you know, three feet off the ground. Uh, I had my torso. Maybe they were four feet, you know, four, four and a half feet tall or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it, but the way that they moved was just so bizarre. It was almost as if they were dangling. They weren't really, per se, walking heel-toe, which was so bizarre. But shortly after that, I go to my computer, unexplainably, I don't even know where I got the name, it was just in my head. Worldwide Telescope, Worldwide Telescope, Worldwide Telescope. So I go to my computer, and I type in Worldwide Telescope, and up comes WorldwideTelescope.org, which I had never heard of before. And it's a software sponsored by Microsoft, that allows you to look into space through our probes and download all the official images directly from NASA and the European Space Agency. Nice. So I downloaded and installed this software. I opened it up, and the first thing I see is our solar system, and it gives me tabs at the top, and I was drawn to Mars, Mars panoramas. I go to Mars panoramas, I open that up. The next thing you know, I'm on Mars, and I'm looking at the presidential panorama 
and I'm looking at what appears to be a pyramid with a sphinx on planet Mars. Right. That's how I got into the Anunnaki, because I started researching the 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 uh, the Earth's pyramids and the ancient structures, megalithic structures, and how come I'm finding this on Mars? And then come to find out, I started finding out about the ancient Sumerians, ziggurats, pyramids being built by Thoth, according to Thoth and the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. And so the more I dug, the more I dug. It seems like there's one architect. And that architect was the Anunnaki. And then now you can, I, I found pyramids on the moon, pyramids on, on, on Mars. Of course, there's thousands, tens of thousands of pyramids on Earth. Yes. Uh, and that's what got me into my research of the Anunnaki, finding that pyramid and that sphinx on the planet Mars. Wow. See, and now, <clears throat> some of the times, uh, it depends on where you're at, uh, the official is, oh, no, there's no pyramid and sphinx on Mars. I've seen the picture. There's a pyramid yeah. and a sphinx yeah. on Mars. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's one on the moon. I've seen the pictures that wasn't doctored. You can tell there's a difference, you know. And when they go and erase that from the landscape yeah. before they give it to the people, you know, that's standard. So that's crazy. So that's crazy. So so tell us more, because otherwise I'm yeah. going to start asking 100 million questions. Right. Okay, yeah. So, so basically now, you know, from this, um, it was so cool the way all this happened because it didn't happen because so-and-so told me about it. And not that, not that there's anything wrong, because I tell people about these things, and then they go research. But it was almost like, man, the universe is just saying, hey, this is, this, we're going to give this to you, and it's not going to come from another human being. It's going to come from, you know, you're going to find it, and then you're going to research it. And that's how it kind of happened for me. Uh, and the more I dug into the, the history about the ancient Sumerian tablets, the cuneiform text, over a million tablets being discovered in Iraq, it's a cradle of civilization, uh, life really did not start in Africa. The first perfectly genetically modified hominids were placed in Africa and put to work, unfortunately, as slaves. Um, the human race started out as a slave race. Uh, and then I, I really began to dive and delve deep into the nature of that and, and I, how I was able to, to correlate a lot of the ancient information Zachariah Sitchin, I will admit, was the main catalyst into my research because a lot of his books did a lot of phenomenal research, but I didn't just rely on his. I relied on, I also went into other texts that covered the Sumerian tablets, and a lot of people don't know that the University of, of uh, UCLA actually has an online CDLI cuneiform library completely outside of any other researcher where you can take a tablet off the shelf, drop it into a translation device, and read what it says for yourself. So you don't have to rely on Zachariah Sitchin. You don't have to rely on Gerald Clark. You don't have to rely on all these other people. You can do the work yourself now. And when I began to do that, I was like, oh, my God, these stories are true. It's not that Zachariah Sitchin is 100% accurate. It's not that Gerald Clark is 100% accurate. Everybody's got a slight variance to their, uh, their perception of the story. But the underlying story for every researcher, and I'm talking about a couple hundred researchers now, are all the same. The underlying story that the Anunnaki are beings from another planet, whether that planet be Nibiru or whether it be another planet that was orbiting Sirius uh, B that now is a, is a failed star, ran out, of, ran, out of, ran out of fuel, or some believe that it, they were in the Orion from wars and then came here. Well, it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is these beings came here from another planet. Right. They landed on planet Earth. They then lived here and worked this planet on their own without humans for, 200, for, for 250,000 years. 
they came here basically about 450,000 years ago. For 250,000 years, they got tired. Of, well, some of the people in their ranks got tired of the labor. They were working on Mars, which were, they were called the EGG, and they were working on Earth. They got tired of the labor. They had a coup. They said, look, we're going to take control of this. We're going to have a war. We're going to stop this work. Enki, one of the Anunnaki gods and, and leaders, said, look, we, I have an idea. We'll genetically modify the existing hominid on this planet. We'll make them into a worker race. We'll put them to work for us. Everything was agreed upon. That's exactly what they did. They, they put us in the Eden, and they, and they created us. Now, before they created the, perfectly, the perfect human that we are now, they had many other forms that they had done through cloning chambers and many other methods that could not replicate on their own, that would reproduce too slowly. But there were already millions of people, if not tens of thousands, of people already on the planet long before the first Adam and Eve or the perfected uh, human beings came forward. Uh, you know, so that's really where it began to get so real to me right. that uh, I could see that where our, our story is way much deeper and richer than we've been told. Well, and when you look at, I've always had the question, and I've brought this up to people many times. When if you look at the whole story of Garden, uh, the Garden of Eden, and then once uh, once they ate the, the fruit of knowledge, and then they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. But when they went out, there was all these people there, and so the question yeah. has always been for me: if they were the original two, where did all those other people come from? And no one yes. could ever to that. You ask the priests, you ask the clergy, and and they say, oh, they were the uh, what they call them? They would call them like the Gentiles or something. Well, wait, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was other people, right? So they would never <laughs> answer that question, and that's always been a question that's nagged me and many other people. If they were the first two, how come there was all these other people? And that, and that you know, so when you come up with a plausible explanation like you just did, for, that makes sense because now you go, well, that explains how those other people got there. So it's it's very very uh, you know evident. Okay, we got a question for him, uh, from the, someone in the crowd. Uh, Georgia Sasha Mays says, what do you think about people like me, like, like Georgia, who see numbers on clocks? Like, you know, when you glance up and it's 11, 11, 11, or it's 1, 2, 3. Um, what, do you, what do you think about that? Do you think that correlates to, to anything? Yeah, I do, actually. I see them all the time. I'm, I I'm have synchronicities so many multiple times throughout the day that I have started saving and cataloging them and I have a very good friend and a business partner, I send them to him so he can see them as well, and we bounce back and forth because it's so many, and it's not just clocks, it can even be comments in a post that I make, totaling up to 111, or 333, or 444, or 1111, or catching different times, you know, that I've clicked. Today, if you go on my personal Facebook account, I think I posted three synchronicities just for today alone. So you see these, they're called angel numbers. And uh, these numbers are, are very significant because what I've come to realize is uh, I don't think they have to do with angels like as in angelic beings. But what I really feel that, I'm, that we're tapping into is some form of a universal consciousness and a message or information that's trying to be imparted directly to us through these frequencies and sequences. Uh, and I think that we really need to stop for a second when that happens and pay attention to everything we were thinking about, everything we're doing, what's going on around us, what what meetings we have for day or not, or just really focus on your children, whatever it is, stop for a minute, focus on that, and try to be cognizant of what's happening at that moment. And I really think that also it means that we're starting to see, you get to a certain point where you can almost begin to see the matrix for what it really is. Right. I really believe that at certain points of the day, our consciousness has the capability of kind of surfing the matrix a little bit. And I really feel like I'm, every day I'm surfing through the matrix that I'm not really locked into it. 
but that I'm serving it and bending it to my will. And that right. those are little reminders to me that uh, throughout the day that that I'm surfing, man. I'm just surfing through the matrix, and I'm trying to be aware of everything that's going on in those moments, so that I can be cognizant, so I can let my intuition take over and guide me, through, you know, on my path. Right, and see that makes sense because then you're starting to catch those those patterns that is the universe that is you know so you're starting to see and you're able to at that point yeah your your brain is saying look we're expanded enough to where well we're able to see these correlations so that gives us the ability that, that we wouldn't have otherwise so I, I kind of I understand that and then you'd be able to look around and 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 I, I like the idea that you said be very aware at that point what's going. on you and pay attention to everything because uh, there's a reason that you're seeing that there's a reason exactly. that, you're, that you're able to see that so there's something that you should focus on and if not then look around and if it's not there then it's you right mm -hmm. you're the exactly. and so yeah, wow that's really cool I, I kind of like that <clears throat> now getting back to uh, the Anunnaki um, uh, what what do you think happened? We have we know that something happened. There's this big swath on Mars that looks like something just cut right into it, and we've hypothesized yeah. uh, uh, came up with the the uh, the idea the, the the theory that like say the Grand Canyon is almost identical in 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 and of itself. And people say no, that was just natural erosion that happened over millions of years. And and my contention to that has always been, where's the other ones then? Yeah. If there's one, and there's natural rivers that have run, how come the Nile's not this deep? Because yeah. you know? uh, it's and just as long. How come that one does, but nothing else? So, so yeah. what do you think? What do you think happened at, at at that point? Do you think there was a war between, say, uh, the Earth and Mars and the people that were here, or do you think it was an outside body that came in and there was a big war? What's your opinion on all that? Man, I'm glad you said that, man. A lot of people don't realize, man, that this planet was under major, major attack. Right. And the war, yeah, man, the war that happened was not just uh, a war between countries. It wasn't a war between continents. It wasn't even a war, world war. It was an interplanetary war right. that happened in our solar system, a real-life Star Wars situation with, with, with uh, planet-sized and moon-sized uh, you know, ships, like the, the, the Star Destroyer or whatever they call it in Star Wars, the Death Star. Death Star, mm-hmm. We have those in our solar system. We have artificial moons in our, in our solar system. Enceladus is a very good example. Enceladus, I ask everybody to research the moon Enceladus. It has a three-mile ridge going directly around the equator, perfectly around the equator, where the moon is actually you know, merged together. That's where it was jointed. Uh, it's got hexagonal and octagonal nodes on it that are supermassive, that appear to be the same type that look like the ones on the Death Star in Star Wars. And I think this is where they got the story from. They knew about these artificial satellites in our solar system. Right, uh, right. In the Mahabharata, they talk about the Brahma weapon, right. the Bhagavad Gita as well, and they talk about this particular weapon that can destroy any man within three worlds. Right. Um, yeah, incredible stuff, man. And then they had these wars. And not only in the Sumerian tablets about the pyramid wars where there was fights, which I, when I went to Egypt, I actually grabbed sand in my hands and was able to get glass out of the sand. That's vitrification. That's right. evidence of 3,000 plus degrees temperature yep. explosives happening in that sand. Okay? Right. Uh, and then you have these ancient texts which talk about the evil wind in the Sumerian tablets where after they had these explosions that looked like mushroom clouds, the wind came across into certain towns and just like gave everybody radiation sickness. Hair falling out, 
you know, eyes bleeding, fingernails falling out, people dying. If you go to Mohenjo-Daro in the Indus Valley, the dead bodies are still radioactive laying in the streets holding hands still to this very day. Right. And uh, so we, we have the evidence here on Earth. Now, when you start looking at Mars, you have the xenon inside the soil, which is evidence of nuclear weapons fire. Right. You have ancient recording explosions on Mars, supermassive explosions from, that they can see from Earth. Uh, and you have the ancient terror papers, which also did talk about this war that occurred between planetary bodies, us and, you know, other civilizations out there. And that's why you have destructive bases on the moon, destructive destruction on Mars. We have an exploded planet, which is now our asteroid belt. Some people theorize that it was from an impact from a, 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 a spatial body uh, through a, when we captured a planet into our solar system eons and millions of years ago. And I believe that did happen, but I believe there were still remnants of that planet there, which then later was involved in a war, which then exploded and the Mars was an actual moon of this planet, Tiamat. And when, when Tiamat exploded, some of that debris hit Mars, caused Mars to have a pole shift of the crust of the Earth by 45 degrees, lost a lot of its atmosphere at that, at that time, even though it did eventually recuperate. But all the evidence of weapons fire, the moon that orbits Mars is actually a gigantic spaceship called Phobos. And when you take up close NASA images and European Space Agency images of Phobos, you see that it looks like it has weapons fire on it, not just potted random dots from, you know, meteorites. Uh, and also, Phobos is in a degrading orbit, and the scans of it from our probes tell us that it's hollow. So why, why doesn't it have enough mass to maintain its own orbit? Why, is it, why are the scans coming back hollow? Because it's a gigantic spaceship. So the, the evidence of these ancient structures and these ancient ships broken down ships on the moon, crashed vessels on the moon, uh, the destruction on Earth, the Grand Canyon on Earth, the gigantic carved out canyon on Mars, are all done by these Brahma weapons or these super high-tech weapons from an ancient war, man, that happened a very long time ago. We literally almost blew ourselves apart. We literally are like the remnants of what's left. Of what's left, right. You know, we were just talking about that. In fact, that was uh, when, when you came on. I don't know if you heard us when you came on. Omar and I were just going at yeah. that. <laughs> just going at that because we know that there was a civilization here the the pre-dynastic age where they were obviously far far more technologically advanced than we are now yeah. and he and i were just literally going over uh, uh what would happen you know what happened and then when they disappeared how there was like nobody left and yeah. and how we don't know anything anymore because we weren't able to teach everyone oh. Because there was hardly anybody left and hardly anybody who knew anything. He and I were literally just going over that. Well, I laughed and said, we need to have a show just you and I arguing this point. So, but, you know, I mean, uh, they don't want to tell about the, the stuff. And now we're starting to figure it out. All these uh, scientists have forever been saying that, you know, we came we came from apes. And that there was there was just that missing link. And we'll find it. We'll find it. We've never found it. And now they're saying our, our DNA was 10% ours and the other 90% was junk. And now they're going, wait. Maybe that other ninety percent. How can you say that ninety percent of what we are is junk, right? How can you ever say that? And they did, and now they're saying, "Whoops, maybe not." Oh, oh, and by the way, our entire DNA structure only goes back about forty thousand, fifty thousand years. Uh, it depends on who it is. And there's some groups that are only ten thousand years old. We can't prove they even came from here. Whoops. Yep. <laughs> right. What do yep. you think? What do you think oh, about this? They're all starting to come out, and now all of a sudden they're jumping on board, right? Isn't that weird? Yeah. It's crazy, man. Listen, uh, listen, viewers, listeners, everybody did not come from one human being. 
Okay, it did not happen. Did not happen. Adam and Eve were not the first two people, and everybody cannot be born from an Adam and Eve because if you take, if I take you and your brother and your sister right now and mate you guys together over and over again, your your human race is going to last maybe one and a half generations, and that's the end of you because you cannot genetically replicate like that. Not not enough genetic material to right. to, to to create a civilization out of two uh, of two relatives. Okay. No. Now, scientists have just recently discovered, and I just did a show about this on Guy TV when I was out there filming uh, just a few weeks ago, which will be coming out very soon. There's, a sh there's an episode called Missing Links done by Greg Braden, which is very good also, where we discovered that peer-reviewed science has shown that the, out of the 46 chromosomes, we used to have 48, just like the apes. Now, chromosome number two was actually taken out of the genome spliced apart and then fused together to make one chromosome so now they found also that on the tips of the chromosome are these things called telomeres and it's called a telomere to telomere fusion now this telomere fusion takes me all the way back to uh, the Genesis 11 in the Bible where the um, the people have come together in unison they're building this tower to heaven they're really really building a spaceport is what they're building Right. Back then, people would live three, four, five hundred years, no problem, wasn't even an issue. And Lil, which is one of the Anunnaki's, goes away for a while. They do this all the time. They would travel around the solar system, do whatever they do. They come back in a hundred years or so. He comes back and sees the humans have now built this space tower and trying to put a rocket ship on top. He gets pissed off. He destroys it. Not only does he, him and his, him and his teammates or his his his, uh, his family members destroy this, they then split the people up put them all over the world, change the language, and so forth and so on. Then he says, he makes a statement, which is in, in recorded in Sumerian tablets and in the Bible, my seed will not abide in mankind forever. His years shall be numbered to 120. Okay, now that's important because that's ancient. But right. now you come to modern, guess what scientists figured out? This telomere that's on top of our uh, number two is actually has buffer genetic material, and that buffer is there so that every time it replicates, to rejuvenate cells in our body, it actually loses some of that buffer genetic material. The, the buffer is there to allow us to replicate DNA without losing information. Now, what happens is the maximum lifespan of a telomere is, guess what? 120 years. Boom. Right. And now, the scientists at Harvard University have just discovered a way to stop the shrinkage of the buffer content in the telomere, and they extended the life of mice by three times. Wow. So what does that tell you? Right. We now have the capability of extending human lifespans three, four, five hundred years with no problem. But what's going to happen is unless we unite as a as the you know, 99% of us, 99% of us unite and, and take back control of our planet, they're going to end up selling us time now eventually, just like the movie, you know, Out of Time with Justin Timberlake. Right. Where they're going to sell yeah. us time. Why wouldn't they? That's I exactly. didn't Think of it that way. See, I was thinking while you were saying that, that what they would do is the elite, you know, those those people that are in charge behind the scenes, they will all, of course, live for 500 years or 750 years or 1,000 years, and then the rest of us wouldn't because they treat us like we're their slaves anyway. They own us and we're their slaves. So yeah. uh, why wouldn't they? But you're right. Then they would sell us time. Wow, man. And the rich huh. people would have more time and the poor people would die like we normally do and, and not get any time, but they would dangle it just like they yeah. do everything else, right? Wow, that's just crazy. I never yeah, thought, but, you know, see, it, and it, this goes to show how much stuff from movies that people think of in stories is actually mm -hmm. 
there. And that's one of the things that I've noticed where, as a, as a race of people, we, even though we try to cover things up, somehow, mm-hmm. This is like, I guess it's a chaos theory, you know. Somehow nature will find a way. It's like the universe itself doesn't want these people who are trying to cover it to be successful covering it. So guys like you and I stumble on something that we shouldn't have, but it's there. They couldn't hide it from us. They tried, but they couldn't because the universe is going, wait a minute, in your mind, like you said, you had an intervention literally by a couple of gray aliens that tricked you to do a lot of things that you may not have done without it now, see now what was that about right so I think that even though we try to hide it's like a serial killer tries to hide who he is and the cops find him because he always makes a mistake it's the same thing even though these guys don't want us to learn they don't get rid of all the documents they keep it all anyways and then they then they redact it you know and it's all in black but now we're finding we can take that color off and read what it says and then yep. and never thought that was going to happen so that's just insane right because now we're still a slave uh, once again to now it's going to be the time that's just crazy i never thought of it that way but you're right i can see that and <clears throat> getting back to more evidence for for people mm-hmm. that they that you know because we went over real fast with the whole gla- intergalactic war look at the mahabharata like you said they talk about this war in there between the gods and the things that had happened. And you look at different places around the world, not just Egypt, like you were talking about. You look mm-hmm. at Scotland, and there's a place there where the fortress is all around the fortress. And this one fort that was there is all vit- there's vitrification, just like you said. <laughs> it's literally turned the stone and the sand to glass. And the only thing that can do that is, like you said, it has to reach over 3,000 degrees. And the only thing that we know that does that at this point that we have is a nuclear explosion. Right, and Absolutely. so they had, so they must have had weapons that did that kind of damage to the landscape to vitrify something. That's not something that volcanoes do. That that's why you get your uh, volcanic rock and it's yeah. in as glass. But but there was no volcano around there. There was no no <laughs> volcanic ash. It was just literally this fortress in the middle of the landscape and all around it looked like somebody had nuked the place. And like you right. said. Egypt, it was the same thing, and and Omar had typed to me in the back where uh, over there in Egypt there were some granite that you could pick up and crush in your hand like to dust like you would a moon rock, and mm-hmm. to, to and to get back to what you were saying about the, the the moons, there was tell that when the guys landed on our moon at one point when they came in they came in too fast and they banged into it and it chimed bong like it was metal. And it vibrated, it vibrated for hours. And um, we've been postulating the idea that there was time in our history where the dark where we didn't have a moon. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, there's this moon that's there. What do you think of our moon? Because I know you talked about the other one, thinking oh, that it yeah. was for a space station or, or at least a, a, a spaceship. What do you think mm-hmm. about our moon possibly being the same thing, like a spaceship of some sort? Yeah, well, I, I, the Enuma Elish which is an ancient Sumerian epic, Seven Tablets of Creation. I highly, highly, highly recommend people read that and research it. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with any other researcher except for it's translated, okay? So yes. you can't, nobody say that it's got these opinions on it. No, it's just straight translated text. The Enuma Elish is powerful because it talks about this planet Tiamat that mm-hmm. exploded in collision, and it talks about how part of that planet swept away and became into the orbit where Earth is and became the Earth, reformulated as Earth, but it took with it a satellite or moon of Tiamat, which is our moon. 
Right. Now, whether or not that moon was artificial when it happened or not, it doesn't say. Mm-hmm. But one of my, I'm, I'm one of the founders of the United Family of Anomaly Hunters. And what we do, we've cataloged over 50,000 space anomalies after downloading well over a million images from NASA and the European Space Agency. Uh, it's a team of 14 of us. And one of our team members named Chris Maroney, a uh, very astute guy, he took some recent NASA radar images of the moon and analyzed them and saw that it was ground-penetrating radar. It penetrated, it penetrated 40 to 50 meters below the moon's surface. When we got these images off the NASA server in HD and high res, we mm-hmm. found out that there's structures beneath the surface of the moon. Same. Beneath the surface. Yeah. So the moon itself has been turned into a giant spaceship, which is why it's in this geosynchronous orbit, mm-hmm. tidal lock, where it, we only see one side. On the far side of the moon, we got a lot of images from the um, Clementine mission. Right. And from those images, we have seen all kinds of anomalies, all kinds of structures, all types of vehicles, pyramids, you name it, on the far side that the average person never gets a chance to see their Clementine mission photos. Yeah, we don't get to see that side. Now, um, the reason I brought that up, and, and, and like you were talking about here, is that uh, we had a, a psychic medium on here, Heather Reese, not too long ago, and we were talking about the, this whole scenario, and she had said that there was this, this cataclysm that happened where Earth was knocked out of its orbit completely, and, and we think this correlates to what you were talking about with the big swath in the planet where we were yeah. attacked. And like you just said, that, that uh, it's possible that the Earth came from uh, a different place in orbit where it was and brought the moon with it. Now, my theory is, is it possible that during that war, uh, you know, we were almost destroyed and to survive at this point now that we're in a different orbit than we were in before. And, uh, you know, we see that we're still wobbling from this whole effect of craziness that went on. Is it possible that we grabbed the moon, someone trying to save us? Grab mm-hmm. the planet and the moon and put it back where it is because now we know that we have to have the moon where it is for us to survive here and for life to survive. But there was a time when the Earth didn't need the moon, but now we know we need it. So yep. do you think that that comes into play where literally that was during that time and somehow uh, whoever was helping us to survive, whether it was us and then we forgot about it because those people died and we didn't get to know the knowledge or someone else put the Earth where it is now, put the moon in orbit to save the Earth and 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 that's why you know and and that's what happened. You believe that that is a possible idea? That oh maybe man, that's, that's extremely, possible. yeah, that's extremely possible, and really one of the most logical statements, you know, that that I've ever heard. Because I've been trying to tell people for years that this is an artificially placed moon. Right. The moon itself is an artificial object, or even if it's an organic object, which now has been had added artificial parts to the interior of it. And when I downloaded the black box mission for uh, mission um, uh, file PDF file from Apollo 11 and the black box mission uh, audio, one of the astronauts clearly says as they're passing over the moon, look at those convex craters. Look at the people down there. I bet they never get out. Right. This is official documents, which I have a copy of those black box tapes and black box PDF file. So. Uh, it's, it verifies for me that the moon is artificial. It was put there. It's in a tidal lock orbit because somebody, whatever technology they used, they had the capability of doing that. Uh, you know, just like they had the capability of weaponizing meteors and everything else. Uh, and uh, and they did that to stabilize this planet. I think you're spot on with that. 
Well, you know, and that's just like uh, when I was talking about how the movies uh, talk about different things. Like uh, in that movie, Starship Troopers, the alien life form was trying to kill off the human race. So what did they do? They 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 hucked meteors at the planet. Yes. And meteors crashed into the planet, and and that was what uh, I was told by. She didn't say that it was aliens. She said that meteors were directed at the planet, and that there was speculation that it was that it came from another solar system that it was aliens. So their first attack was they hucked these uh, 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 meteors at us, and then followed up with a physical attack. And, yeah. and uh, almost annihilated us completely to the point where we were only, you know, six or seven thousand humans left at the time, and then we repopulated. And then, like you said, the, there was a time I think when the when the people came here and and uh, messed with our DNA because our DNA, like you said, it's it's just crazy that there's two portions of the DNA, uh, 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 including what you were talking about. I know that there's a portion of our DNA, and I don't have the number in front of me right now because I did the research on it, and I'm actually writing um, uh, 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 some books. Uh, one that out right now is uh, Orion Rising, and it's a, it's a science fiction story, but it, it's based on this whole idea with the Anunnaki. And, uh, and it's called Orion Rising because uh, coming from Orion, I believe, uh, a portion of the human race, if not most of us. So um, I have the DNA strand where it shows that it was altered slightly so that we would worship unreservedly these gods and mm -hmm. that now in our lifetime that there's a trigger in another DNA strand that doesn't allow that one it blocks that one from being turned off and that that one is degrading like you talked about with the other one and now we're able to break that and sever that so that's why we don't look at our religion so much anymore and we're questioning that and when someone says I'm a god we go you know like in the movie with James T. Kirk he says why does God need a starship so we're starting right. to question this stuff where we didn't do it before, except for when Eve bit the fruit of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Right. So, right. Exactly. so that's my theory anyways. What do you think about that? Yeah, man, you're spot on with that, man. You know, and um, I really think that just based on my research from the tablets, that the fruit of knowledge was, uh, I call them uh, books, theoretical books. In other words, it was information. It was, right. it was knowledge and wisdom. And yep. um, like I try to tell people, uh, if those are the fruits, I'm trying to devour every last one I possibly can right now. <laughs> right? Because I, I think that that's exactly what it was. I think that, uh, you know, the serpent uh, in, the, in the Garden of Eden could have been a reptilian, maybe. That's why they said a serpent. But whatever it was, that, that particular being was trying to help us by saying, yeah, look, people, those people are not gods. And we were like, yes, they are. Unreservedly worshiping this right. god. And he said, eat this. And we know now that we can take uh, and use something that, it, that will change our DNA. We can take an inhaler, for instance, and, and put into that uh, that's going to go into our, our lungs. We can use that as the pathogen, take it into our lungs to change our DNA. So why would someone not have a fruit of some kind or some whatever it was and said, here, eat yeah. this. And it was, like you said, basically all this knowledge. And when she ate that. She said, Adam, you have to have this, and he ate it. All of a sudden, not only did they know those weren't gods anymore, but there was a lot of other stuff that they may have learned, right? Oh, yeah. They learned right away, man, that uh, they, were, they were not uh, what they said they were. And then if you read the, 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 the Gospel of Adam and Eve, which is a forbidden book in the Bible, of they, course. Were really, they were really distraught. I mean, they were so, Adam was so distraught, he tried to commit suicide. He tried well, to kill himself, and... Yeah, yeah. yeah. That. Yes, if you right now, you believed that your God was, and you were talking to your God, and then literally the next second you looked at that person and went, "You're just some guy in a spaceship." That would kind of make you distraught enough to where you might want to try that, right? Absolutely. 
Oh, and uh, it was so bad, he actually tried to kill himself, and one of the Anunnaki guards who was guarding the entrance to Eden came out there in the water and grabbed him, and they had to resuscitate him. That's how far he went with it. And wow. he, he, he loathed, and he moaned, and he groaned for days uh, after this uh, realization of what had happened and being kicked out of the, out of the laboratory, basically. Right. Um, yeah, and... Um, and this is a lot of, I've read every single forbidden book that's out, every single book that was taken that was banned from the Bible, from nice. the canonized Bible, I've researched and read every single one. And you come to realize that the, the serpent most likely is Enki, who is Enlil's brother. Right. Enki was in love with the humans, and Enlil was so distraught and angry that he even, you know, that his brother would do that, and that his brother even had married or had sex with humans and gave birth, you know, had, had demigods or half human, half Anunnaki's with them. That they were at war all the time with each other, right? And uh, and, Lil, and Lil was like, you know what? I'm gonna call him the devil or Satan or he. So he started telling people that he's wrong. It's evil. It's wrong. It's horrible. It's this. It's that. So he yep. made him the the serpent devil. When in reality, right? He himself was the one that was really evil. He would call humans. He would say the humans are clamoring. There's too much noise. He would say, spray a poison on them, put a plague on them, kill them off. There's too many of them. They're making too much noise. He would right. starve them to death. This is Enlil, okay? So he was the one that was really evil and saw us purely as cattle. And Enki had a heart for us, which is why he saved his half-son, Noah, who was the Zudra in the ancient tablets, right. from the flood. Right. Uh, Noah was actually the son of Enki. You know, so it goes really deep. It's from really deep stuff. See, and that's that's just. I mean, when you think about it, it's, you know, it's true. I actually wrote a a, a quick blurb, like it was an insert from a, a, a military person's journals, and and it was written from the perspective of uh, who we would call uh, the devil, right? Mm. And and he and you don't know that until he, until he signs it. And the way I write it is uh, I wrote it where it starts out with him saying talking about the the one who was ruling and like you said he was the evil one. The one who was ruling was just uh, torturing the people and do as I say or I'll, I'll end your life. And and that some people got together in secret and started a rebellion and that rebellion turned into a war. And but um, in that time they were they were uh, uh, tricked. And and that the ruler knew that they were doing this and was able to overthrow them and cast them all out of his kingdom. And this was the fallen angels who came to earth. But you don't know this while I'm talking. You're, anyone who's learned is going to start going, I think I know where he's going with this. But at uh -huh. the end of it, the person says, and the, the guy who's writing is telling you all the evil deeds that this person has done. And then at the end, he says, uh, maybe we'll be able to raise an army of the people, the slaves here, where we are now. And then I and then he signs it, signed, um, signed, and how did, I, how did I have him sign it? I had him had it sign it. Um, uh, um, uh, I think it was. I think it was instead of Lucifer, it was like the uh, like a Roman version uh, of Lucifer. Mm -hmm. And then I, and then I wrote year one uh, in uh, exile. <laughs> That's how he signed it, right? And so like he had been kicked out of the ship, the spaceship, and he was uh -huh. now stuck on the planet with a bunch of other people from his race who had just fought uh -huh. a against the God who was not nice to the humans. And, and yeah. then that's where we got our whole storyline of God and the devil. Like you were saying, they were calling him the devil because he mm -hmm. was trying to help us and that they, they didn't, you know, they didn't like it. So I just wanted to tie that in and show you how I, yeah. I same thing. And I kind of think that the Bible was written that way, where if you look back far enough, because the God in the old Testament, um, was not a nice God. <laughs> oh man. Pure evil. 
He was evil. He was not when you nuts. when you research the ancient Akkadian yeah. and the ancient texts that the 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 Bible was actually originally written in. You discover that the word God is actually a mistranslation. Anywhere where you see God in the Old Testament, it's God's with an S, plural. Absolutely. And especially in the book of Deuteronomy, you find out that these gods, these people masquerading as gods, were fighting each other, using humans as cattle, just like they do today, to go out and fight these fake wars in order for them to capture resources and, and new kingdoms and so forth. And in Deuteronomy, there's these weird wars where God tells this, the people, go across to this land, kill the women, kill the children, kill the babies. Right. Kill the sheep and the animals and blah, blah, blah. If you right. break a woman, you can keep her as your wife. All right. this crazy stuff. This is a God speaking in the Bible. Right? That's crazy. Crazy That's stuff. But when you really analyze the text and go into the Sumerian tablets, you realize it's not God at all. It's just somebody masquerading as a God. Absolutely. So here's, here's a question uh, that, that I have from over here. Um, do you do you think the Anunnaki are still here now, or do you think they're going to return? And if you don't think they're here and you think they're going to return, when do you think they're going to return? Okay. I believe that there are some Anunnaki um, uh, here. Not, not uh, in big numbers, uh, okay. but there are, I believe that there is uh, above, an above-ground base in Antarctica where some of them do come and go, a very small remnant, maybe just uh, maybe a couple dozen or less. Right. Right. Uh, now, as far as bloodline on the planet, mm -hmm. a lot of them made it with humans, and that, those bloodlines, after the Great Flood, they decided to let allow man to rule through demigods. In other words, a half Anunnaki, half human. Those became the pharaohs. Right. Now, so they started there after, after the Great Flood when they rebuilt everything, and then those, that pharaonic bloodline is still ruling this planet, believe it or not, till this very day, because what happened was, after the last pyramid war, Amun-Ra, who was the son of uh, Enki, who was mm -hmm. a bad son, unfortunately, mm -hmm. uh, his brother Thoth was good, but Amun-Ra, who was also named Marduk, uh, was causing so much havoc and treating people so bad, and he took over the kingship of Egypt ahead of his processional time. Uh, mm -hmm. He fought for that. He was supposed to wait, and he didn't. And then um, it came to a point where his brother Thoth had to leave Egypt, and he went to Mesoamerica to start that whole Mayan civilization thing going on over there. Uh, he actually built it before the Mayans arrived, but that's all in the story. But basically, the point I'm getting to is, is he, after the last pyramid, was trapped inside of one of the pyramids, Ra. He escaped by one of his scribes that helped him out. And then he decided to leave, rule from space, and, and become the sun god, which Akhenaten called the sun god, and leave the power and the riches of the kingdom to his Ra Kam. Now, the Ra Kam means offspring of in ancient text. And Kam, the word Kam, translates more recently into the word shield. So he left the ruling party and the owner of the riches of the world to the Ra Shields in ancient times. And that's right. who still runs and controls this planet until this very day. As these, um, these uh, pharaohs, they started off... Real quick, real quick. I want to point out, raw shield, uh, the raw shield sounds really close to the Rothschilds. That's who it is. Just wanted to point that out in case anybody wasn't what the coach yes. was saying right there. <laughs> that sounds really close to Rothschild. So go ahead, coach. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just want to no sure problem. That. <laughs> yeah. And you got to make sure they get it because that's the most important part of it. That's who it is, the Rothschild. The Rothschilds are the ones still... $700 trillion worth family running this planet till this very day. They control every aspect of this planet, every war, 
every pharmaceutical item, everything you every vaccine. So so that's what happened. Now as these pharaohs migrated uh, after that last war, they realized that they were Alexander the Great had come and actually taken over and freed up a lot of these people. They started migrating to Arabia, then over time into into Europe, where they became kings and queens. This is why the kings and queens of England have a lot of the Egyptian motifs around them at all times. Right. From the construction to their staff to their crowns to their clothing, everything is Egyptian based. Okay, yep. Egyptian themed, I should say. Yep. Now, the Plagenet bloodline, which was a direct direct bloodline from the Sumerian kings to the ancient uh, pharaohs to the Arabian kings to the British kings, the Plagenet bloodline is goes into the King Lachlan line. Uh, Lachlan, John Lachlan, is the king that signed the Magna Carta. His bloodline from his offspring be, uh, came into the United States as the president of the United States. Every president of the United States, including Obama, including Donald Trump, is related to this Plagenet bloodline, and John Lachlan is their great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. Except for one person. One person was Van Buren. He was still royalty, had a royal bloodline, but not directly in the Pharaonic bloodline. So every president... All the way till this current day of the United States of America is related to, except for Van Buren, is related to these ancient Sumerians and all these Anunnaki. So the bloodline still flows through to this day and as a control. We have this puppet control leadership or these, you know, uh, uh, custodians, if you want to call them that, of the planet. Mm -hmm. And then we have a few real Anunnaki. Now, when will the others return? It is rumored that they are definitely going to return and that there will be another battle because they want to take back control of the uh, of the planet from what they consider to be, um, you know, fake kings. Um, because when you really dig into it, the people who came here and said that they were gods uh, had really taken kingship, the, the original guy, by killing the king of, of Nibiru. Mm -hmm. And basically, take, you know, wasn't really in the direct bloodline to be a king in the first place. So right. there's a rumor that you know, based on some of the tablets and texts and things like that, that, these entities or beings may come back. Now, they lived for so long, we don't know when, that they did find planet, they call it Planet Nine. They found it out way beyond the orbit of Pluto, mm -hmm. uh, and it's in an elongated orbit, just as stated by the ancient text, mm -hmm. uh, and it orbits our sun every so many thousands of years, but right now it's still a far ways off. The thing to think we got to worry about more is not the planet coming in close, but that it's kicking out a lot of debris from the Oort cloud, which is coming to the inner planets and causing wreaking some havoc, and right. potentially could cause some some meteor strikes by 2020, uh, by 2025, 2030, if we don't know how to move them out of our way, shift those shift those orbits from hitting right. us. Right. Uh, but it's, it's potentially they could be back within three to four hundred years, but in geological time frames, that's the blink of an eye. Absolutely, I agree with you. We got another question. <coughs> Coming in from the audience, Anthony Booker uh, asked, stated, and then asks, I've read so many books on this, I'm dying to learn more, but I think I maxed out on my reading materials on this. Any new resources? Uh, do you know any, any new books, any new uh, resources where, where Anthony here can go and learn more about the Anunnaki, what we're talking about? I'll tell you the most important book that I found in recent times, because I've, I've been writing my own book about the Emerald Tablets of Dolph, which is one of the greatest Anunnaki that ever lived, one of the true friends of mankind. Um, and he's well over 100,000 years old, according to the tablet that he wrote, because he went into his halls of Menti for 100 years times 10. So he'd been in there for 100,000 years over time to rejuvenate his body. But this guy, um, 
Gerald Clark, which is an author, American author, Gerald Clark, he wrote a book called Seventh Planet Mercury Rising. Seventh Planet Mercury Rising, where he goes into delves into the Anunnaki and he con he converges it not only with the Emerald Tablets, but as well as what quantum physicists are talking about now with the fact that we may be living in a holographic universe. And he blends it all together beautifully in this book called Seventh Planet Mercury Rising. I highly, highly recommend reading that book because it's going to be an eye-opener, especially for somebody looking for more information, more content, and more directions to go in with the research. I highly, I highly recommend that book. Nice, nice. Now, let's go back to um, the, uh, the Anunnaki for a minute. Again, let's continue with that, I should say. Um, so, like you said, it's in a blink of an eye geologically. Uh, the, the timeline is, is, it could be, you know, anywhere between, you know, now, like you said, if, they, if they're out there and they have interplanetary uh, capabilities, they are getting closer to us. So at some point they'd be able to reach us, uh, with, you know, like you said, and with mass quantities again. And there would obviously be a war because we're not going to just let them come over here and just say, I'm in charge. And those, like you said, there's some that are here already. And then there's some that are in charge here that are related and descended from these guys but the mass people you know we look at here in america we go crazy and ravenous when somebody does something wrong to us uh, from another country so what do you think is going to happen if somebody shows up and says oh i'm the one who i'm your creator god and uh, and i own you i mean there's going to be a lot of people going to say no i don't think so bro <laughs> all right i think it's going to be kind of split there's going to be a lot of people that say heck no and unfortunately there's still a lot of program people are going to think it's jesus coming back and these kind of crazy things you know god's finally coming back to rapture us and to take us off this planet and so forth and so on but eventually they come to the realization that that's not the case that there's really a space war going on between advanced beings that may be a million years ahead of us right. uh, for control of this planet and i think a lot of people are going to be in shock who haven't been keep, keeping up to date on what's really happening out here and opening their eyes opening their third eye they're going to be completely distraught and shocked when they come to realize that Human beings are the new kids on the block and at the and are at the low end of the totem pole yep. when it comes to anything. And uh, that the movie Jupiter Ascending is almost spot on. There's Great. people that own planets. There's yep. people that own solar systems. There's people that own galaxies. Yep. Literally own galaxies. And there's people that actually even own this entire universe that are on the outside of this universe. Right. Uh, right. And that's where... In an alternate Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So we're, we're, there's so many levels to reality and so many levels to, you know, it's almost like in that movie uh, Men in Black where that universe is inside that little marble on somebody's neck. Isn't that brilliant? Oh, man. Isn't that brilliant? There's so many levels, man. Because so many so levels. levels. Right, absolutely. And, you know, we were talking about the Big Bang and how the Big Bang uh, uh, came into effect and, and where it came from. And we, when we talk to the psychics, they're telling us that it came from another universe and it was created. And then it was pushed through because they had filled up the universe over there and they needed more room. So they created this universe. So it wasn't created by a god. It was created by aliens. It was created by beings that are millions of years old that needed this universe because they needed more room. So there it came through a wormhole and it came from nothing. Then there was something. And then, and, you know, here we are and i love that the movie jupiter rising didn't do very well because uh i think it was too close to the truth and people didn't want to believe the the storyline but i agree with you there are people out there that own solar systems own planets and that and that our planet was owned and they were fighting over the rights to our planet because they wanted to call our planet 
for yeah. the what they could get out of it, the energy they could get from us. And there's been talk about that, where there's going to be a culling, where mm-hmm. because we have so many people that uh, that's what's you know the Anunnaki is going to come back and they're going to cull half the planet because we're, there's too right. many of us, and that's kind of scary, like you said. And I agree yeah. with the conditioning. I write about that in my book that uh, because of what I was telling you about the way that we're conditioned and uh, mm-hmm. and our DNA is conditioning us to where we're not supposed to believe that there's aliens and that we believe in only one God, and that's it. That's Anu, that's Anu, right? Uh, the 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 God, you know, the God Enki that we're supposed to believe only in those, and and we have to break that conditioning, and only those people like you and I, and all the people that we're talking about this with, and all the people that are out there that are dealing with this, we're able to break our conditioning to where we looked around and went, "This isn't right," <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah, we, so we, so we, that's we from the Matrix. Right, we won't believe it. So we're so we're we're looking around. And we're going, this isn't right, and uh, we we should look around. And we're starting to catch on what's going on. But we're trying to inform everyone. And there's mm-hmm. some, like you said, that'll just deny anything we say and tell us we're crazy and we're going to burn in hell. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And not even realizing that hell was added to the Bible in the 1800s, and and also the rapture was nothing more than a cliff note that then became by a, a part of doctrine in yep. the, in the late 1800s. Yep. All that's just fabricated, added to the Bible, and the Bible has got about 30% mistranslated words, and then people, uh, they go by the concordance. So you're going by concordance based off of mistranslated, uh, man, you know, man-made doctrine versus right. going into the ancient root words of a lot of the texts, and then you have an eye-opening awakening when you realize that a lot of the stuff that's been said here is inaccurate and is talking about people having fights against people and, right. and orders being given by human or humanoids, but not God's. Right, yeah. right. Now we're coming up on the hour. I know you said that you can do an hour, so so uh, I'll just I'll just say that if if you got to go, let me know, and then we'll go ahead and wrap. But if not, yeah. and you got some more time, let me know. We can we can run on longer if you want. That's your choice. So let me know what you want to do because I know you got appointments and things you got to do. So if you got to run, let me know. And we can wrap. But man, I want to talk to you more. <laughs> you got to come back, man. I definitely wish I didn't have to go to this appointment, but I got to okay. make it because it's one of the last few. You got to do what you got to do. You got to take care of you. You got to take care of your health. Your wrist is it's uh, something that's very important. You got to take a, uh, take a look at that. So we'll go ahead and wrap up. But um, uh, I want to really we we, we got to have you back on. I got to talk to you for longer because yeah. there's so many questions I didn't even get involved in with that I are going through my mind right now that I want that I want to ask. So so uh, before you go, uh, let's end this real quick. Stay on real quick because I know that Omar wants to talk to you, um, and then we'll we'll get you off as soon as we can so you don't miss your appointment. And then um, well, hopefully we can uh, get a hold of you at some point in the future and set another uh, time. Okay. So guys, he yeah. has fun. So we're gonna have to cut this short to an hour today. So it was a great, great, great conversation, Coach. Uh, thanks for being here, guys. Um, uh, this guy right here, if you don't know who he is, you should. <laughs> you should already know who he is. Um, now, do you have a website or something that people can, can yeah. go and your stuff? Give them that information real quick, okay? Yeah, please. Please find me on ForbiddenKnowledge.com. That's with the number four, ForbiddenKnowledge.com. Also, we have a new uh, site called UniteThe99.com. UniteThe99.com, where we're actually going to build our own privately owned social media network that will rival Instagram and Facebook, privately owned content to, re, to, to unite the 99% of the world in a location where we don't have, quote-unquote, fake news controlled and monitors and so forth. We're not going to sell the content to three-letter agencies. So UniteThe99.com, please check us out. And if you're interested in conscious music, please check out PantheonEliteRecords.com. We have a great artist named Donnie Arcade doing conscious music. 
goes down, hit the charts in the U.S. three times in one year. Nice, nice. Okay, guys, this is Coach uh, Billy Carson. Uh, Coach, hang on, don't hang up. We're gonna, I'm gonna end it real quick. But just so you guys know, coming up on the 14th, uh, we're gonna have uh, Brian Forrester on here, 10 a.m. on the 14th. Don't miss that. Look at our calendar, uh, watchstock.com. We have an app. Go over there, and download the app. All right, I'm gonna wrap real quick. Coach, stay tuned. Don't don't hang up when we go off air, so the guys can talk okay. to you. Guys, great show. Thank you, thank you, Coach. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it so much.